Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to episode 102 of the Finger Guns podcast. I'm your host, Roscoe. Hello. And I'm joined by everyone's favorite complete bag of used butt plugs after a curry club, Greg Higgs. <laughs> um, do we have to give context to that? Because no, that was fun. What it's a name, just, man. It's just the old, the old Twitter killer, Greg Hicks himself. <laughs> yeah. Do you want your Twitter profile taken down? Contact Greg Hicks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not take constructive criticism well and have a hissy fit and fuck up your own website? I'm your man. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 Greg Hicks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm sat here in my toxic room being toxic and talking to you lovely fellows while being a toxic person in the gaming world. It's been a week, isn't it? I know. <laughs> I don't feel bad at all. No. I know you don't. It's all right. You've got nothing to feel bad about. Uh, Mr. Toby Anderson. Evening. How are you, Captain? Uh, I'm good. I'm very good. I, I watched um, Raya and the Last Dragon last night. Have you seen you... that yet? I haven't yet. It's the new Disney one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, how was it? It was really, really good. Cool. I liked it. Really, really, nice. really good. Did you pay for Premier Access on Disney Plus? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Wow. Nice one. It's still quite a controversial thing, that. But um, mm. yeah, I'm glad some people. The film looked it. amazing. And so I was like, I think I have to do this time. Yeah, fair enough. I'm going to do the same with uh, Black Widow when it comes out. Cool. Because I don't want to go to a cinema and watch it. No. My entire life I've gone, if I could just get this film in my TV right now, I can't be asked to go to cinema. And also, now COVID happening. has like, solved everything for you. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the one thing I hate about the cinema more than anything is other people. So, I hate it when they're, when they're munching stuff. Yeah. And talking through it. Can we, not have a, can we not have a pro-COVID podcast, please? Because <laughs> I will murder the pair of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, COVID. Uh, you rock. And Mr. Sean Davies. Hey. How you doing, man? I am living the dream. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Tell me a story. I don't have a story. You haven't got one? I've had a, no, I, I have survived today. I'm going to tell you this. Today, <laughs> Easter is fine. You know, Easter's great. You've got time off work. But if you've got five kids and they eat a lot of sugar, most of your day is just shepherding them away from dangers because... They just go so hyperactive. So two hours ago, my wife gave all of the kids these special milk chocolate, um, hot chocolate things where you, you get like an Easter bunny and you put it in a cup and you pour hot milk on it and it dissolves and starts to spin and fizz up. Oh, cool. It becomes, it's that got like marshmallows cool. and stuff. It, it's very cool. Uh, has it got sleeping pills in it as well? It's not harrowing because <laughs> the, uh, the, the bunny melted in front of them all. <laughs> We're going to teach the kids about entropy and death. The end of Indiana Jones, isn't it? But with a bunny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find my kids outside just pouring water on the actual rabbits, expecting them to fizzle <laughs> <up> and die. <laughs> Hot water will not be good, though. Yeah, no. If you see the kettle running out of the back garden. Uh, yeah. <laughs> are you killing ants or are you killing the, the rabbits? Now, now I've got to counter program with the gremlins. So, you know, don't nice. pour water on anything because... Uh, this is what happens so yeah mm. but yeah they they about half an hour ago i could not think in my house because there was screaming there was people running around there was fights there was all kinds of crazy noise and now i think the sugar crash has kicked in and it's also quiet so this is awesome awesome we might have an hour of quiet so <laughs> let's get this done all right let's go okay we'll kick off with our game of the week i'll go from the top 
Mr. Buttplug, your game of the week. Can you start calling me that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. All right, then. Sarah Buttplug. Once, once was enough. Mr. Buttplug. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to repeat demand, it for a second. <laughs> I demand an apology on air or I'm not telling you what game I've been playing all week. Oh, Toby, what game have you been playing this week? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Greg. It won't happen again. To give him some context, because people are going to be going, why is everyone calling you a butt plug? <laughs> uh, another How site. public talks. Another site, yeah. To my, in my mind, people either sound really stupid or they sound like evil witches. Um, to give some context... Someone took a bit of umbrage with what I said on a social media site about the editing skills of some review that I'd read and described me as, what was it? About as much fun as a bag full of butt plugs after a curry night. Yeah. But who carries a bag full of butt plugs? I mean, well, this was my question. I was like, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. A bag full of, oh, you know, just in case one falls out. Um <laughs> Yeah. You might need them if you had lots of friends. And to which I then retweeted that saying, you know, if you'd put more effort into your reviews than you did personal insults, we wouldn't be in this situation. Because, you know, I'm funny. Um, that's why Ross is calling me a butt plug, but he won't be doing it anymore, will he, Ross? Will he, Ross? I'll, I'll push you down some stairs. No, I won't do it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my game of the week, because we're on Sean's ticking ticking sugar clock, is God of War 2018. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd finished it through the once, and I think 2018 was just a period of just finishing games and being like, yeah, that was cool. And because it's been updated for PS5, so 4K... 60 frames per second, all that malarkey, and it looks amazing. I've just decided to uh, go through it again. I'd already done, I think I'd started playing the intro again on my PS4 Pro, so I was about an hour in of the however many hour long campaign it is. I haven't done much of the side story. I've just literally finished the campaign um, over the weekend. And I forget how how good it is. I mean, I must have just, same with like The Last of Us 2. I just... I finish it once and go, cool, I've done it. And then I obviously go back to these games and go, wow, there are so many things I didn't notice. And just taking in the world. And there's no, like, I don't rush through games, but I also want to get them done in a time frame that stops them being spoilt for me. So usually I get them through uh, like a reasonable time. But this time I actually stopped and not did all the side quests, but yeah, just took in the world and all the, the beautiful views and all the, the lore and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, if anyone hasn't played it yet, and you've got a PS5, it's right there on the PS Plus collection, so treat yourselves. And yeah, that's pretty much been my game of the week outside of streaming. Uh, my brother and I played Super Bunny Man on Friday for, you know, Good Friday, Men Dress as Bunnies, that kind of thing. And it prompted Sean to come in and go, what the fuck is this? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't understand what the fuck it is, I'll be honest. All I saw was two guys dressed as bunnies sixteen any one another on screen repeatedly. Oh, yeah. And that was that was about as educational um, as the um, stream was. There was a lot of sixty nining. It's the best way to vote it's the best way to climb over things. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I think in real life that may not be true. Well no, I wouldn't be doing that with my brother <laughs> in real life. No, I just mean in terms of climbing, climbing anything. Yeah. That yeah, would be difficult. Because a bunny suit is really impractical to climb in. And there was no. It looks like the bunny suit has like got Velcro on like every surface. <laughs> what those like jumping bungee suit type things? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, but that, that's, that's my game of the week, adding some bunny man on the side. Oh, cool. It sounds like a game that Sean would review. What, Super Bunny Man? Yeah. I think if he had, I mean, it's on the Switch and it's on PC. I think if he had two of his kids playing it, or even him and a child, I'm not telling him how to sort his gaming arrangements out, I think he'd really enjoy it. But when you're watching it, you're like, this is, as Gwen Stefani would say, B-A-N-A-S, B-A-N-N-N-N-A-S. I kind of saw bananas on air. It's bananas. It's Bans bananas. Banana nananas. Oh, okay. If, if you could send gifts on Twitch, I walked into that stream because you said, surprise game. So I'm thinking, <laughs> ooh, what's he going to be playing? <laughs> it was a surprise. And I loaded up that stream. And if I could have posted a GIF, it would have been, you know, the community walking into the... Oh, the Donald Glover fire thing. Exactly. The worst <laughs> fucking timeline. It was... It, I wouldn't be exposing my kids to that kind of filth. I'm sorry. Filth. <laughs> That's worse than melting bunnies in their cups. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, that was my games of the week. Nice. Uh, Toby Anderson, your game of the week. Um, I'm going to go for Desperados 3. That's ah. my game of the week. Um, Desperados, I played all of the... Sh- uh, well, I played all the way through, rather, um, Shadow Tactics, um, Blades of the Shogun, I think it's called. Um, when that came out, uh, what, two years ago, three years ago? Um, and just thought it was the most fantastic real-time strategy game um, I love those old Commandos and Desperados games that that were around, um, you know, like almost 20 years ago now. Mm. Um, and yeah, the Mimi Mi Studios is bringing them back. They keep making more and there's Shadow Tactics and now they've made a prequel to the original Desperados games with Desperados 3. I know Greg reviewed it um, a few months back um, at the end of last year. And um, it came to Game Pass um, a little bit after that. And I've just been able to, yeah, I've, I've pretty much put in, must be good 20 hours now over the course of the Easter holidays. Um, and I'm getting close to the last two or three missions. I should be able to finish it in the next few days. But it's just, awesome. it's just fantastic. I really, 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 really like it. Cool. Uh, Sean Davies, your game of the week. Can I just check, is anyone going to talk about Outriders? Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> no, I just, I just like I've, I've got a game of the week, but I also want to talk about Outriders, and I just wondered if anyone was going to talk about it. So we actually played a game together. I know. <laughs> well, three of us did. Well, apart from Toby, <laughs> Toby kept jo- jumping out. Yeah, my internet was yeah. shit. <laughs> we learned it was not a four-player game, so yeah, that was disappointing. One of us has to sit it out every time. <laughs> it kind of sucks. But carry on, please. Okay, my games of the week. <laughs> uh, so the first one I want to talk about is um, Before Your Eyes there's a review coming on the website tomorrow uh, I'm going to try and not spoil the embargo it's basically a narrative adventure game that uses your webcam to track your eye movements and it tracks when you blink so the idea is that you use your mouse to navigate around these 3D worlds that are like flashbacks and you then blink and by the time you've opened your eyes the world has changed or the world is changing before your eyes it's a very cool concept, and um, I'll be honest, I cried at the end of it. And it has issues, so there are a few technical issues, and that really threatened to spoil my enjoyment with it. But it is one of those stories that you, you think you're watching something very uh, uplifting, something that's a little bit heart-wrenching, and then you get towards the end, and it's something entirely different. And it fogged me up. And um, as a dad, I did not want to, what, what was happening in front of me to be happening. So it is, it is pretty 
emotionally powerful. And that comes out on the 8th of April. But the embargo is up tomorrow, so you can go and read my full review then. The other thing I want to talk about is Outriders. Um, Outriders is division in, in the, the division in space, and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> and um, I just can't get over how great this game is. <laughs> it's like stupid old school design. You know, there are invisible walls everywhere. There are just fucking just kill corridors. There's it's cover shooting. It's all the shit that we all got bored of like five years ago. That's all rolled into one game, and somehow it works. <laughs> my my just, the friends, funny enough, just just doing yeah, friends just messaged me saying what's outward is like, and I was like, well, it's the division with the Mass Effect multiplayer uh, grab bag of skills with gore, and he was like, all right, cool. Yeah, it's 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 nothing special. There is absolutely no innovation in it at all, but it's. It's the execution that I think is is like really great. Obviously, when I say execution, the server woes. I genuinely thought they 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 didn't think they were going to get this many people playing the game across as many platforms, because on paper it sounds generic as fuck. But then you know you play it and you're like, huh, okay, I just spent four hours playing this game and it didn't feel like that long and I had a good time doing it. So I'm going to play another four hours and it just keeps going. It has a very, sub, it has, it's a very good uh, prologue where it like subverts your expectations. So you start with this um, sort of space, you know, colonization storyline, and you think everything's. It, it all looks very colourful and nice. There's a few things going just ever so slightly wrong, but nowhere near as wrong as it then suddenly goes. Um, and this what some weird anomaly storm hits, and everyone starts. It starts turning into like torture porn craziness there's bodies everywhere there's powers everywhere the entire thing was just a completely different game five minutes later and i was just like okay that is really not what i was expecting because i had seen the trailers and i hadn't even expected it to go quite that completely off the walls um you know off the rails if you will at that point um so yeah that was quite interesting and that actually then got me into the next few hours of it because i was getting bored um, of that colonization thing, which may remind me a lot of Xenoblade, if anyone's played um, Xenoblade Chronicles X and things, that that, that was that storyline, but just not a JRPG. Yeah, mm. it's, it's it's amazing that the how, how fucked up the world is you end up in as well, because... Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that whole introduction is just... Wait, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just so completely different. Yeah, it goes from like... Mass Effect Andromeda to Warhammer 40k in yeah. like a minute. <laughs> and yeah. I love it's the. It's just uh, I like. Sorry, John, go on. No, go on. Uh, the um, I, I love Shira as a character. I haven't got too far in it yet, but the uh, the the difference in Shira from before the apocalypse to after is just wild. She's like naive scientist, and then. The next minute yeah. you meet her, she's, she's like ripping. grizzled old pirate yeah. queen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's brilliant. And her reaction to you when you come around is just awesome. And it's, uh, yeah, it's great. I completely agree. I'm, I'm a big fan of the way that it, it basically, um, it subverts a lot of the side quest narratives. So like in one of them, you're off to save a guy. And when you save the guy, he turns out to be an utter prick who's then killed. It's like you went through this fucking epic, epic fight for it to just go, eh, okay, I don't know why I bothered. 
Yeah. And it's, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's great. Big it's, fan. Um, I, don't, I, I don't remember kind of being hugely piped about it. I remember seeing a trailer at one of the, one of the virtual events and thinking, oh, that looks fun. But yeah, it really has surprised me. And I'm really glad that uh, I took the plunge and had a go. Um, yeah, playing it on PS5, it looks beautiful. And uh, yeah, having a great time with it. That is my game of the week also. So, you know, oh. kind of blending it in towards it because I've not really played much else. Um, I've hit a wall with Crash 4 already. <laughs> it's driving me crazy. <laughs> it's driving me crazy. There's, a lot, there's things... a lot of walls on that game. Yeah. The, the death counter isn't helping. <laughs> the top right corner. It's like, I don't need to know how many times I've failed. <laughs> but it, it loves reminding you. Is it but the yeah. masks? Is it levels where there's like, you could have the multiple, like use multiple masks. Yeah, and it's just stupid little things. Things that, you know, as a, as a gamer in, you know, I should know how to jump from platforms that aren't there. Or how to, I feel like my, my, my gaming brain isn't functioning when I'm playing Crash 4. Because I feel like I should know how to do this. Because <laughs> it's not overly complicated <laughs> in certain areas. But it's like, what if I judge that incorrectly? And I judge it incorrectly pretty much every time. But um, yeah, it's a lot of fun and it looks great. So I will, I will stick with it. But yeah, Outriders, bizarrely, is a refreshing um, break from the horrors of Crash 4. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, right then. It's pre- proving rather popular, these uh, fastest finger quizzes with some people that I've been talking to this week. So guess what? We're doing another one. Mr. Sean Davies, over to you. Fastest finger back. Three, the returning. There we go. Wow, <laughs> fingering with a vengeance. Did you think about a lot? Was that like a week? No, you were no. Do- <laughs> no. I think That's fingering me. with a vengeance is just horrendous. It's <laughs> 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 really horrible. Ah, thank you. Um, welcome to the quiz. It's fastest finger first. Have you got your buzzers ready, chaps? Yep. Yes, okay, sir. Let's, let's test this out. Let's go with Toby. My buzzer sounds like this. What is this fucking Sesame Street? My buzzer makes this noise. Uh, I was going for QI, actually. A little bit more adult than Sesame Street, but thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, Greg, can you give me your buzzer, please? Uh, uh, uh. Can you do that again? Because it was very quiet. Oh, let me move it near the microphone. That would help. That bodes well for me and Toby. Very good. And Roscoe? How do you get- Very good. So we have Final Fantasy, Street Fighter, and Sonic. This is all messed up. You pick games that you're not associated with in my brain. I, I apologize if I picked the wrong person. But I wanted a slightly longer tone this time. <laughs> Am I not associated with Final Fantasy in your brain? Um, no, you're only associated with games where you play as like furry animals. That want to <laughs> okay. Sorry, furry animals with uh, short skirts. <laughs> yeah, if you, it ain't you anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic. It's not Anderson. <laughs> That's a t-shirt right there. Anyway, yep. <laughs> question one: How many divine beasts are there in the Legends of Zelda: Breath of the Wild? Oh, that was Greg. It was. Uh, four? It was. Four what? is correct. <laughs> yes, it was. Thank you very much. Yes, uh, yes. Question two. The creator of mobile hit Flappy Bird came from which country? That was Greg again. 
uh, Taiwan? Incorrect. Oh. Uh, Russ? Finland. Incorrect. Ah, Toby? it's close. I know it's close. Korea. Korea? No, that's not correct. It was Vietnam. Oh. Oh, it's not close. Definitely not close. No, no not nope. close. No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Question three. Which fictional sport can you play in Final Fantasy X? That was Toby. Blitzball. Blitzball is correct. Well done. Uh, question four. Who played the lead role in the 2010 film Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time? That was really close. I think that was Greg. What? Um, That's how bloody outrageous. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal. That was hesitation. That was hesitation. I was waiting for the problem to answer because you interjected, you funny. That was hesitation. I'm not having that, Sean. <laughs> well, you're not the quiz master, are you? Damn. Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal is correct. Question five. In Horizon Zero Dawn, which tribe is Aloy from? Greg? No, it's gone. No. <laughs> okay. Um, who, who else buzzed then? Because Greg went very quiet, so that means somebody else did. I didn't. Nobody? No, I can't remember it. It's gone. Oh, okay. ra- 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 like dust or Rafi or something. Uh, no, the answer is Nora. That's it. Fuck. Oh, fucking! Played that recently as well. Uh, question six: In Minecraft, Endermen drop what when they are defeated? Toby. Little bricks. Little Minecraft bricks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically, if they are carrying a brick, they will drop the brick. So, I mean, no, you, no. <laughs> Coins. No. Have you played Minecraft? Fucking... <laughs> can, I, can I try and answer? No, I have not please? played it. <laughs> can I try and answer now, please? Fine, Greg. Uh, diamonds? No. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, no, I don't know. Swords. Little swords. Stone. En- <laughs> Shut up. Em- ember. <laughs> uh, ender pearls. Ender pearls. Oh, damn. Come on, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question seven. What type of Pokemon is Jigglypuff? Uh, Greg? Annoying. Incorrect. Oof, uh, Ross? One of them. Uh, Incorrect. Am I, am I wrong? Come on. Yeah. You was are I wrong. wrong. Greg wasn't wrong either. Toby. In the head. Um, <laughs> Whoa! Toby! Wee, wee, wee. Hey, I'm, yeah, real, I'm struggling you. to remember the name of that type now. It uh, says its own name. No, it doesn't. Water type. Yeah, like cloud or something. Fairy. Something weird. Fairy. Ah, fuck's sake. That's a type Clefairy. Clefairy is the clue. There you go. <laughs> it's not, not Jigglypuff, isn't it? Yeah, not Jigglypuff. <laughs> Question eight. We've only had three correct answers so far, by the way. (laughs) Question eight. I'm the Repo Man and you're out of business is a line from which 1994 video game movie? Uh, Greg? Double Dragon? No. No, it's not. I fucking... uh. Ross? Um, Mortal Kombat? No. Toby? Uh, Repo Man. Can I have another go? I know what it is. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's the fucking, answer is it's fucking Street Fighter. It's Guile. It it's is Street Fighter. Yes, <laughs> you don't uh, get that. No, 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 I don't get that. But I do. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, question nine: In which 1983 game do you work at a bar serving beer? Oh, you 
Roscoe? What? What's his goddamn name? Oh, oh well, that's hesitation. God. It's in Wreck-It Ralph. Ah! No, it's gone. Right. Greg? Tapper. Sorry, sorry Toby? What? Tapper. No, I don't What? <laughs> Is it Tapper? <laughs> it's Tapper. Well done, Toby. What? No, are you taking the piss? I buzzed in as soon as Ross did. I didn't hear you. I didn't hear your, your buzz. Are you fucking sorry. kidding me? No. I don't think I should have that point because I only got the Tapper thing from Greg just then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be <laughs> really honest. <laughs> Did you seriously hear me? Because okay. I went, what, when Ross buzzed in? I... No, I genuinely didn't hear it at all. Oh. Um, calm, okay. calm down, Greg. <laughs> Question 10. What power do I, of Python... Do I, do I get that one or not? Yes. Thank you. What? You got it right. You said Tapper, and then I asked Toby, and he said he Tapper. Didn't buzz so... in. He said yeah. Tapper, well, and it clearly was not an answer I knew, so... Mm-hmm. I did hear Tapper to, to, to like, buzz in, but it was like hot after you'd answered and before anyone else had done so. Um, okay, question 10. What power-up item gives Mario the power of invincibility for a short time? Uh, Toby? Uh, the Are you star. not hearing my buzzer? Uh, <laughs> genuinely, no, I just hear Toby's. The star, the star, I said the star. The star is correct, well done. Fuck. Uh, question you 11. Need to get a louder buzzer than me. You need to shut up. <laughs> Question 11. Which composer has credits for the music in Earthworm Gem 2, MDK, Evil Dead, Hail to the King? Uh, Toby? No, that was Greg. <laughs> uh, Greg, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I'm just, I'm, I'm like, you're all fucked up with the buzzers. <laughs> oh, no, it's gone. Fuck's sake. Okay, I'll finish the question. Got it in my fucking collection. Yeah. Evil Dead, Hail to the King, and Pac-Man World. Anybody? Ms. Pac-Man. Ms. Pac-Man is the composer of the music yeah, from Evil Dead. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> I know what it, I know what it is now. Um, Ross, have you got a guess? I haven't. No, I haven't had time to Google it. Okay, Hans the answer is Tommy <laughs> Tallarico. I, I don't have to Google it. It's on my fucking record collection behind me. <sighs> okay. Question twelve: Team Sonic Racing, Snake Pass, and Sackboy: A Big Adventure were all developed by which British game studio? Ross. Sumo Digital. Sumo Digital. Ross is off the mark. Yeah, bloody <laughs> time. Uh, question thirteen: Which studio has, since two thousand and seven, developed games exclusively based on the Lego franchise? <laughs> Ross, TT Games. TT Games. Yeah. What the fuck? I was definitely first then. Yes, he was. Uh, question fourteen: In the Homefront games, which nation's forces have invaded the United States? Uh, that was Greg. No, no, sorry, that was Toby. North Korea. North Korea is correct. A question 15. What is the name of the player-controlled character in Grand Theft Auto 4? Uh, Greg? Nico Bellic. Nico Bellic is correct. Why would you, oh, would have got why it wrong would you anyway. buzz in after I've... <laughs> it's just a delay, mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was going to go for the Carlos 16. anyway, so I would have it wrong. Question 16. Carlos. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is that? You know Carlos. (laughs) Yeah, of course, yeah. You know. There's there's Claude from GTA 3, but Carlos. Who's the guy in San Andreas? Uh, CJ. CJ. What's his C stand for? Carl Johnson. Carl, there you go. That's him. Carlos. Carlos. (laughs) To his friends. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking Uh, of him. Okay, uh, question 16. 
which game character has the monikers the Butcher of Blaviken and the White Wolf? Ross? The Witcher? Um, no, which character? Um, He's already given an answer. Uh, yeah. Ger- um, Geralt. Geralt of Rivia, I, indeed. I'm sorry, are you fucking serious? Like, I can hear Jamie. the buzzer coming back through. God. Greg's taking yeah. this so seriously. Calm down, yeah, man. going to lose this week. I'm pressing it. Because I'm pressing it and I'm hearing it coming through like around about the same time. Oh, man, you, you can hear it through your own ears. That's amazing. Um, I can't though. So I can't call you if I can't hear it. <laughs> Question 17. What was the name of the first game based on a Disney movie? Greg? Uh, sorry, Toby. I'm going to go for Aladdin. That's incorrect. Anyone want to take a guess? Russ? Uh, 101 Dalmatians? Nope. Ah, I remember playing that. Uh, Greg? Uh, Greg's not uh, playing anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Will you shut the fuck up? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, The answer was the Black Cauldron. Oh, wow. Question 18. Philbo Fiddlepie, Elizabeth Megafig, and Chandlo Funkbun are all characters from which 2020 game? Uh, that was Greg. Uh, I don't know. Bugsnacks? Bugsnacks is correct. Wow, okay. <laughs> well done. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, question 19. You've tried the best, now try the rest. Space's Choice is a slogan found in which game? <laughs> Toby The Outer Worlds Outer Worlds is correct oh, Damn it uh, And question 20 What colour are Zelda's eyes? That was uh, Greg uh, Zelda the Princess Blue Blue is correct Oh what a guess I would have taken grey Because they got blue be grey um, So Final scores Ross Comes in with two. two. Yeah. Well done. Toby has five. Greg has seven. Despite having ah. a tantrum. Despite, despite having throwing <laughs> his fucking toys out of the pram because his buzzer wasn't working. I really hope on the playback you're like, oh, wait, he did go first on that. Yeah, but we didn't last week either when you were bitching about it. So Yeah, well, get better fucking audio. If you bad tamper as well, we would have had, what, six all then? Uh, it wasn't really mine. Did you did you genuinely not know that it still wasn't anyway? No, I was going to go for something silly like Bartender Man or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a JRPG type. Right, well done. Cool. Well done, Greg. I'm retiring the Chocobo. Next week it will be something I'm going to try something different than this app because it's just a bit shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm using a website now and it seems to be uh, a lot more responsive than the app. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'll send you a link. Uh, right then, let's get into some news. And the biggest news of the week was, well, PlayStation's MLB 21 is launching on Xbox. This we've known for a while. But Xbox pretty much got their dick out and was like, huh, we're going to put this on Game Pass. So MLB 21 is launched day on Game Pass on Xbox and £70 for PS5. Now, I'm going to take this one over to Sean Davies because, I mean, is this a power move from Xbox? Is this a deal away from PlayStation? What's going on here? And how the hell did this happen? This is a giant fuck-up, eh? 
<laughs> you could say that, yeah. Uh, so a game made by a PlayStation studio is being released on Xbox and is going to Game Pass. And apparently there was a decision made that wasn't really involving Sony, but Sony gave the green light to, involving the MLB company. So uh, the, obviously all of the teams all come through the MLB and the MLB do the licensing. And the MLB have been pushing for uh, MLB the show to be multi-platform for years, but they have a contract with Sony. So Sony said, okay, finally, yeah, okay, we'll do multi-platform. Now MLB have taken a quite significant check by the sounds of it to have um, MLB the show, a game that was <laughs> developed by PlayStation as part of Xbox Game Pass. Um, originally, I thought I was told that this was a Sony decision, that Sony had decided that they were going to put this on Game Pass. But apparently that wasn't anything to do with Sony. It was MLB. Wow. So, yep. I, I very much don't. I don't think that Sony are going to be renewing that MLB license. <laughs> <laughs> that it's, is a kick in the teeth. It's such a crazy move, and yeah, as you as you pointed out, this is not anything to do with Sony. A lot of speculation is going around saying that oh, Sony paid Microsoft to get it on Game Pass. It's like that is not the case. Um, Sony had nothing to do with the publishing, only the, the development of this game. And yeah, it's MLB that have made this deal with Microsoft. And Microsoft are probably pretty happy about it, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, they've got to be. They, there is a, a war going on right now, and it's an, a very different war than we're used to seeing because usually these these console manufacturers are trying to sell you a console, whereas that's not the case anymore. This is this is a case of trying to be the primary console, you know, trying to be the thing that people spend their money on. You know, Sony are giving away 10 games over April, you know, for free, so that you will play on there. Xbox have got Game Pass. You've got PlayStation doing ridiculously cheap deals on PS Now, and Microsoft are you know doing all kinds of crazy deals on theirs as well. It's it's just like mm. it's an amazing battle that's going on. I don't know where this is going to end. You know, <laughs> the, the 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 barriers are down from traditional. I used to think that I knew I could predict these things. I yeah. never in a million years thought I could predict. MLB going free on the fucking Xbox game game pass. That's just insane. What a day. Yeah, I mean, how did how did they even get to Xbox? I mean, is it did the license uh, do MLB now own that license now? And so they're like Sony develop it, but we'll put it wherever we like. So there was there was a contract with uh Sony to develop the games and basically the MLB games have always been too good to be a singular platform game. And MLB have been pushing Sony because they still have a, a thing that they like, they can develop whatever version they want, but they want to keep MLB happy. So they said they were going multi-platform. I don't think Sony in their wildest dreams thought that Microsoft would step in and go game pass. Mm. It's just amazing that a, but I mean, this is this has been the thing all the way through for the last couple of years. You look at the Yakuza, a a get a, a system, a, a series that was synonymous with PlayStation, yeah. and all of them went on Game Pass. Just insanity. It's just it's, it's great. It's just wild. Absolutely, it's, it's a, a very cool move by by Microsoft to try and erode the traditional, um, you know, the links. You look at think about Crash Bandicoot, so. Mm. But not so much anymore. Yeah, but it's everywhere, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's it's you know, but the thing is that was never the case previously, was it? You know, we had the fucking the Giants game. They were trash. They were on multi-platform, but they were trash. Yeah. And but it was always a PlayStation franchise, and now it's not. You know, Yakuza, it's not. MLB the Show, it's not. Mm. So it's it's Final Fantasy. You know, I, I genuinely didn't think that we'd ever see Final Fantasy fourteen going onto Xbox One or Series X or S, and it's going to. Yeah. So. I mean, Final Fantasy is interesting, isn't it? Because there have been rumblings that Sony are uh, trying to acquire Final Fantasy. That 15 is going to, or sorry, 16 is going to be exclusive to PlayStation 5 for a extended period, at least. It, it's going to be exclusive to PlayStation platforms. So PlayStation 4 and 5 and PC for about a year is what I've seen in the deal. Mm. But, you know, it'll be on Game Pass. It's a year and a day, so because of shit. that's the thing, isn't it? It's mad. It's like, oh yeah, I'll play it in a year on Game Pass. That's fine, yeah. and that's what Microsoft yeah, Sony wants needs you to, to be. So Sony really need to fuck the, get get some kind of competitor in, involved because PS Now ain't it. No. And um, they've just had an Avengers today. Did you see that? To Game Pass. Uh, to PS Now. Oh, that's great. I mean, I've just fucking you know. Bought the fucking upgrade, <laughs> <laughs> stupid twats. <laughs> uh, Toby, what's your take on um, Xbox swinging their dick around? So, the Xbox, you know, they Microsoft rather pay for the rights to you know the games for a certain period of time, especially when it's like indies and things. They're paying for the games to be on Game Pass. So, surely they have actually inadvertently paid Sony. Well, this is the thing. I mean, no one. I mean, the, the publisher is MLB, so Sony have got nothing to do with that deal. Assumedly, if they had something to do with the deal, it wouldn't be happening at all. There must be royalties, though, based on the sales of a game. And if that's the sale of the game is to Microsoft for Game Pass, then there's still stuff going back to that studio. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, the development team will get. Yeah. Or the developer so, so studio will get something. The only thing I can add is really that it, it looks like Microsoft have paid Sony for MLB the show. To be honest, it's, it's, it's funny when these things happen. That it's, a, it's a really big deal, but it's a game that I've got absolutely no interest in ever playing. Um, it's just a baseball game that I would never, ever touch. Um, but then at the same time, it's like the center of what's you know, a really crazy story that, you know, why would they do this? Yeah, why I would mean, they do it for something that, in, in my eyes at least, is really small and like, it's not going to have any interest? But clearly there's a player base for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the show being exclusive to PlayStation has sold PlayStations over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Because, especially in the US, you know, um, if you don't know, MLB, obviously, Major League Baseball, and this has been a PlayStation exclusive for a long, long time. It's going to um, sell a lot in, in America and Japan because they're both obsessed with baseball. Yeah. Whereas here in the UK, we're just like, baseball. What? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to rush out to Game Pass and play this on day one. But yeah, like you say, it's the center of this absolutely bizarre story. Yeah, I just like but, it when it's weird games that are at the center of these things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think we're not going to see Horizon on God of War on Game Pass anytime soon. No, this one um, just seems like a mistake, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really strange. Um, Greg, have you got a take on this? Not that it hasn't been mentioned already, but like Toby summarized it with it's baseball and I don't really give a shit to be honest. It's just it, it's just a weird con like like Sean said, seeing Yakuza and other franchises that we always knew to be Sony, it always made me feel like they were being like rented out to other platforms. Right. Like Crash, Final Fantasy, that kind of thing. Like you won't see God of War on it, for example. But yeah, just again, it's another 
weird concept that it's always been a Sony franchise that's getting ported over. And it's like, I just, logistics just seem weird. I don't know if Sean's tried explaining it and Toby's had a go at it as well. And I'm just like, but it's a PlayStation game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have nothing to add that I won't trip myself up over. I just, it's just weird, man. Yeah, it's just when it loads up, it's going to be like PlayStation Studios. And it's like, it, wait a minute. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm holding my Xbox controller. What's going on here? I've been saying that I play my PC with a PS4 controller. So, yeah, uh, that's not too weird. But I know what you mean. You're like, hang on, am I playing the right console? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a weird one for a while. Yes. I think for people who are interested in the game, which are millions and millions of people. So uh, yeah, it's yeah. a big deal over there, isn't it? Very much so. And it's uh, I bet Sony are pretty pissed actually, to be honest, at the moment that they've even let it slip out of their hands. But I guess the license ran out and they didn't renew it. So who knows? It's all very exciting. Right, let's move on to another very exciting thing: gaming and gambling report, um, which basically equals loot boxes are bad. Um, this came out uh, this week, which is a great big old PDF, um, which if you want to read, I'll link in the description if you really want to check it out. And it's uh, basically a summarization that, yeah, loot boxes are gambling. And it's a very interesting time for loot boxes because they're certainly going under in regulation in certain European countries. Um, the UK haven't really done an awful lot about it, but why would they? Because the fucking Tories are in charge. But it's... It's a, a damning kind of indictment on loot boxes and what they, the kind of influence that they have um, on younger players, perhaps uh, particularly loot boxes in games like FIFA and things like that. Um, more sports games, especially MLB, which probably has microtransactions as well, but I, I'm not 100% on that one. Um, I'm going to uh, take this over to the person who sounds like they probably know what they're talking about when it comes to all this stuff, Toby Anderson. It's a good job I read it, isn't it? Did you read the whole thing? <laughs> I read it, so you don't have to. Thank you, man. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Not all 54 pages, though. Um, but I did read the conclusions and things. Um, and um, there's, a f there's a few interesting things in there. I'll try and pull out a couple. So it's basically a report about the convergence of gaming and gambling, like you say, um, and hopes to inform future gambling legislation in the UK. But like there is some of that in Europe, but it's not very effectual so far. Um, they say at the beginning that it's already firmly established that loot boxes are problem gambling, but that they are seeking to you know, actually help to inform that, that gambling legislation properly. So I learned something about gamblers, um, which is interesting, something about the illusion of control, um, which is what they call this thing in, in, in quotation marks, where you believe that you're lucky that day or that you can somehow influence the outcome of a random loot box drop. Um, if you're that kind of person, then you're, that's a sign of you being a problem gambler, um, which I had never really thought of. But I suppose it makes sense when you think you're, you know, you're lucky or you can control things, then you know, that's a slippery slope. Um, as gamers ascribe discrete financial value to the contents of loot boxes, um, such as like being able to purchase and resale things on Steam, for example, things like that, um, that makes loot boxes basically meet the existing criteria for a gambling reg regulation. Um, and basically it's trying to explain the motivations for loot box problem purchasing so that they can then legislate for it. So some of the conclusions were that the motivations for loot box problem purchasing were the dopamine hit that you get when you open a loot box and you get what you want. And the report found that there was this more excite, sorry, there was more excitement, more dopamine, et cetera, from winning an item uh, through a loot box than there was from actually buying it in the first place and just using it normally. So say there's a gun on, you know, Destiny or something that you want, you could buy it for a 
couple of quid or you could win it in a loot box our stupid brains our stupid human brains decide that we're getting a better deal when we've paid you know for 20 loot boxes instead and we've won it we've probably played we've probably paid over the odds um they found that fomo was a massive um part of this so socially um you know the status and the, the sort of social missing out uh, fear of missing out prop, uh, sort of idea um especially limited time items things like um seasons like in Fortnite, for example missing out once it's no longer available um play to win stuff they mentioned in there um if you can play if you can sorry pay to win rather um if you can pay for performance enhancing stuff or um aesthetics or gameplay enhancing things then that's almost immediately you know part of these regulations um i also learned an interesting thing they call um currency in-game currency um, they call it the obfuscation of costs so that you so that people are less likely to know how much they're actually spending on things and so they they re return this thing obfuscation of costs which i just thought was like ugh, that's that's just a slippery slope again isn't it when you start not knowing what you're actually spending on things and when you hear these stories of kids who've spent you know a couple of thousand pounds of their parents money on uh, microtransactions in in video games not knowing really that it was real money that they were spending um that is one of their uh, recommendations for actually you know what they would change what they would recommend that is changed um, going forward um so they think that legislation should include clear definitions and classes for all loot boxes all loot boxes containing items to be labeled age restrictions um that actual so classification sorry for each loot box um full disclosure of odds in easy to understand ways and prices in real currency um so those are the things that they've recommended um and then a couple of just last little facts that i found at the bottom in the conclusion area so five percent of the loot box purchases um in their in their study were thought to be problem gamblers and spent an average of over 70 pounds a month or more on loot boxes and they accounted for half the revenue generated from loot boxes for the developers. So 5% are accounting for 50% of the sales. And it's not necessarily that those are, sorry, there was no evidence that those were the wealthier gamers. They weren't, it wasn't higher loot spending was correlated to higher earnings or anything. It was the evidence suggested that the developers were actually unwittingly or not generating their loot box profits from at risk individuals. Um, and lastly, the loot box engagement is linked with a very particular set of demographics. So male and young and low educational attainment was what was written as the demographics for people very, very likely to get pulled into loot boxes and be the, uh, the at risk male, young age and low educational attainment. Um, and yeah, that's about all the things I've written as my notes reading through it. But yeah, you don't have to read it now. I've done it for you. <laughs> you're welcome ladies and gentlemen you're welcome <laughs> it's pretty interesting um, stuff isn't it no it really is i mean i think to ban them outright i think would be a, a big move do you think do you see that in in the not too distant future not based on this um no. they, they they never say that they should ban them they want them to be like gambling like it's not banned it's their um you know responsible adults should be allowed to do it but that they should be, there should be loads of legislation around things and things should be very clearly labeled. There shouldn't be any way that children can do it. You know, all those things that, that really already legislate gambling and they should just apply to these video games. And if a game includes any kind of loot box, it has to be like massively labeled everywhere that it does. Mm, yeah, fair enough. Um, Sean, as a father of five, 
Um, how do you, and all of them are into video games. We talk about it a fair bit. How do you kind of police uh, loot box uh, purchases and things like that? I, I don't let the kids spend anything online for any of any game. They If they want to buy something, then I have to do it. There is no spend limit on their accounts because I remember being a kid and being stupid with money. And I understand that I've made Dave's decisions and learned from them, but also it's now my money that's going to be spent. So I don't want to be spent, <laughs> like being the one to go, shouldn't do that. Because I remember when I was a kid, and this, this, is, this is where a lot of my um, kind of defense for loot box in the past has come from. As a kid, I was big into stickers and sticker albums and like pogs and crazy bones and all these kind of shit. You know, I'd go down to the shop and my nan would send me down to the shop with a fire and say, pick up me up some milk. And the milk would be a quid and I would come back with no change because I'd spend £4 on sticker packs. I spent £4 on sticker packs for Batman forever once and those sticker packs were like 10p and I came back with like a literal box of stickers. And my nan was like, where's my chicken change? And I'm like, it's gone. I'm sorry. I spent it. It's my fault. <laughs> I'm going to fill the sticker album up now. The, the the issue that I've always had with like like policing loot boxes is because I didn't see the difference between the sticker album that I was doing as a kid and which which I always found was great. You know, I always you open it up and you find a shiny, the best fucking day of your childhood. And loot boxes where you open up something and you get a skin which is better than all the rest of the skins and blah blah blah. The difference is you can't sell the digital item. Yeah, and that's that is that that is the problem for me now. That I've 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 seen the error of my ways. I've I ceased def- defending them, you know, a year or so ago. And whoever put this report together, top marks because I I sat and read it and I was incredibly incredibly engrossed by it, but also very impressed by the fact that there was this was written by people who know the fuck what they're talking about. This wasn't by the usual. Um, Westminster guy who's uh, uh, gaming is this the thing you do with the TV and the pad and the blah 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 uh, it wasn't the guy in the top hat who, who doesn't understand what a Sonic is <laughs> he he is this was put together by people who know what they're doing and I am incredibly impressed by the learnings that have come out of this but it's also very worrying because um, I don't see the government taking this as as, as um as a warning sign, I don't see them taking this and going further with it. They should, they absolutely should. All they really need to do is tax loot box, loot boxes, basically come up with a framework that says if a person has to put in money of their real world money and get a, a surprise element at the back of it in a game that they can no longer sell, then that needs to be taxed. And I swear to Christ, that will go away overnight. EA will not like it. Ubisoft won't like it. You know, yeah. Activision Blizzard won't like it. Tax it, it'll go. But it won't. And that's the problem. They're, mm-hmm. they're going to find new ways to make these these things um, less and less obvious. You know, they, they should absolutely, like Toby said, absolutely should say, this is a loot box. You should be over 18 to play this. There is this amount of risk involved. You have only got a 2% chance of getting the thing that you want. These are the, all the things that should be on the front of loot boxes and they're not. Yeah. One of the worst things in this report that I read was the fact that the free loot boxes that they give away. So, you know, you, you, you load up a game and they give you a free loot box and they push you to that system. 
that was like, you know, I see it so many times, you know, with addictive personalities, the first one's free and then everything else has cost you. And these, these people are getting a free hit of a loot box. And that's, that's, I mean, in Stoke, you would not believe the amount of people I've seen hooked on drugs because they got the first one for free. So, you know, here's your first skin. You know, the next one, you'll have to, you'll have to pay me for it. It is disgusting and we should get rid of them. They mentioned a lot of them where you, they sort of give you all the loot boxes for free throughout the game, but you've got to pay for the keys to open them. Which is insane. And it's just like, yeah. So you've already got all the loot boxes and you're like, oh, but I can't open that. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it, there were some insidious practices brought up over those 54 pages. Yeah. Not a nice read. My, my only concern about this, this paper was that most of the research, so every, almost every reference was, was done by a particular group of people. And they all, they were all basically, most of them involved a singular person and that singular person's um, research always pinpointed the fact that uh, loot boxes and gambling are very closely linked. There were a couple of others that said there was like mixed results and one that said there was no link, which is like, you what? Um, but th that was the only thing that brought up the, the legitimacy of this paper is the fact that there were so many of the research papers that were referenced were from the same people. Mm. And we just need more, we need more research into this now for the government to take this seriously because this needs to change yeah. before my bank account gets emptied on Fortnite shit. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I played Fortnite with you, you addressed as Batman and I know that's a pay for skin. Yeah, I do think exactly. <laughs> yep, a pay for skin. <laughs> a Fortnite for skin. Yeah. yeah. I don't you don't want to win for it once, that's what you don't want. I, I don't <laughs> mind if I, if I have to pay for something that like, you know, that I know that I'm getting. And I genuinely, you know, felt that that was worth getting a Batman skin, a Tomb Raider no, yeah, skin. Right. But when, when I say that, when, I bought I bought Kratos and Master Chief, so I can't say anything. Got, <laughs> <laughs> it's just the loot boxes, man. It needs to go. Mm. It's not good. Uh, Greg, I know you've you've been very vocal in the past about not being a fan of loot boxes and microtransactions and stuff. Are you happy to see that there's? maybe possibly a little bit of legislation incoming or do you just yeah. get rid of them completely? No, it, you're never going to get rid of them. I mean, look at the money that GTA online turns over rockstar yeah. would be stupid, but I mean, like I said in the past, I can't condemn the whole practice of buying stuff for games when you've already bought a game because well, look at the recent thing I have with control and season passes and all that kind of stuff. Um, but back to transactions in games, I'm a firm believer that if they're harmless and cosmetic to a degree, then fine. Like I said, I bought Street Fighter costumes. I have bought some content in games that offers no, um, what's the word? Doesn't offer me an advantage in playing the game at all. It's just like cosmetic. I bought costumes for my Xbox 360 avatar, which is redundant now. I mean, I can wear it, but who the fuck looks at profiles anymore and goes, oh, sweet, he's got that Metal Gear Solid 3 costume on. Yeah, he's a pro gamer. Yeah. Um, which I have actually got, by the way, which is quite sweet. Um, you're never he's a pro gamer. Sorry. Pro gamer. <laughs> um, yeah, you're never going to get rid of it. And I'm sure, like we've all just discussed, we've all bought stuff in the past, so we can't hold the high and mighty moral ground when we've all done it as well. It's just the link to gambling is where it becomes 
insidious and it's awful. And like I've said, what game was I reviewed recently? It's gone out of my brain now. But the inclusion was there. And it's that kind of insipid, shitty practice where you have to like almost pay to win that I can't stand. Um, Even like, I know I said with Mortal Kombat, you know, to buy all the, the content from that. I'm looking at Tekken 7 now. Yeah. I, I've mentioned fighting games are the fucking worst for it. Because Tekken 7, they're, I think I, I, bought, I bought it on sale and I bought what I thought was like an ultimate edition because it was the game and DLC or one, and, and what I thought was the season pass. Turns out it's one of like several season passes. And I managed to get like Armor King and Anna, who are two classic characters. And then later on down the line, they're releasing Gan Ryu, who is, um, he's been around since like Tekken 2. And it's like, wait, you're making me pay for someone who's been in the series for 20 years. Blanca in Street Fighter 5. You know, that's no worse than uh, like Star Wars Battlefront with having to, what did someone work it out before they patched it? You'd have to play 400 hours to do the equivalent monetary value or something like that, wasn't it? To unlock everything. If you grinded your way to yeah, all yeah, the, yeah. the perks, you, yeah. yeah. Which is fucking mental. And I think when it comes down to that, that you have to sacrifice... I mean, I know why people like microtransactions. Uh, my uncle plays War, uh, World of Tanks, and he said that you see some right... Uh, the, the, the fishing analogy is tackle tarts. You know, all the gear, no idea. You see people that buy the best tank and they drive it off bridges, that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that's bullshit. But then that is their own money to do so as they want that doesn't affect the gameplay per se because they're just buying top tier stuff and haven't played the game. That's, that's just dumb that it's there anyway for them to do so. But like, I've got a friend, I know she doesn't listen to this podcast. She plays some stupid, uh, free to play game on either PC or tablet or something. It's called like kingdom, kingdom of Alliance. I think she called it K- K- KOA once. I know that's kingdoms of Amala, but that's not that, but it was something like, Kingdom Alliances or something stupid. Like, I don't know what it's, what it's probably called. And she was telling me that she drops about 300 quid a month on it just to keep her castle going. Yeah. Just to keep her castle going. And I'm like, so you need to spend money, do you? She's like, yeah, because I've got so much in it now that I have to keep, basically keep it running. And I'm like, you sound like you have an addiction. If you have to pay that much money a month to keep your whatever you've got built in that game. And she's like, yeah, but it's sociable. And I chat to people like in the States and this kind of stuff. And I'm like, there are other ways of doing that. And she was telling me that one month because, because of lockdown, she has been, hasn't been able to do anything with her money and she doesn't go on holidays much anyway, but it's like, yeah, she said she'd spent a grand one month on it. And I was just like, fuck. Now I obviously will buy physical media. I'll buy Blu-rays and I'll buy records. And I look at my record collection now and it's easily about probably about 200 records in there maybe including box sets and if i worked out all the rrp or what i spent on them then that is a lot of money but that is something tangible when you've got someone who is spending 300 pound a month to keep something running on a game minimum or it will just go to part you think guys you're getting no return for what if they shut that server down of that game that to me is an addiction there is nothing yeah. tangible coming back from that other than that Black Mirror style, uh, like digital trough feeling of, yeah, I've accomplished something 
pump, pump money in, pump, pump money in, out comes a slurry. Yeah, keep going, keep going. And that, when that comes into games like that, be it, uh, you know, mobile, whatever, that is what I hate about it. And that is where it needs to die a death. And it won't because I know GTA Online, I won't touch that fucking game again because, I mean, I know I've joked before about getting carpet bombed by 12-year-old kids with the best tech in the fucking the online universe. But when you've got to pay to do certain missions and heists and stuff, and the, the grind is insane to get back up to that, or you can buy these fucking shark cards, then that is a very exaggerated pay to win mechanic. Am I wrong? Is that, is that an exaggeration? No, that's, that's exactly what shark cards are. Yeah. yeah I don't know, think any of it is money that you put into GTA line is to buy better weapons or yeah. better vehicles or to and buy into heists and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It reminds me of that one a few months back. Um, Genshin impact that I, yeah, um, yeah, that exactly. I started on got about five hours into it and hit a wall where you had to then start, you, well, there's, there's a particular item you can get that you can keep farming for, but you can only farm for it a certain amount every day. Hmm. And if you want more than that every day, it wouldn't even let you grind just like, all the hours you wanted to grind. You had to do it only one tiny bit each day, yeah. which then was like another time-based um, gate to stop you. So you had to then spend money on things. And yeah. that one, but that one did do a lot of the things that this report talks about um, where you... Um, you know, like when you label things and you and you say how what the odds are and all that kind of stuff. Genshin Impact had all of that. Like everything was classed, every loot box was classed. Uh, there was full disclosure of odds on everything, which was interesting. But it, mm. but because I could see all that gacha stuff on there, I was like, right, I'm out. Yeah, because you have the common sense to see. <laughs> I'm it. literally out right now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh, where was I going with that? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, no, it's all right. Um, just back to the GTA just quickly to round it off. But like you said, Toby, it's for some people it's FOMO and especially with kids as well. Like I said, my, I had some friends that were playing it for a bit and I jumped in once and went, huh, all right, I'll see if I can do a heist with you. Oh, wait, no, I can't. I'm not the appropriate level. Oh, well, never mind. But I know some people be like, oh, but I need to, oh shit, um, I need to uh, buy stuff to catch up. And that, like you said, it's that FOMO, that fear of missing out of, and then the, the, the peer pressure, not from your friends, but the game to, you know, pay or pay or be a loser, you know, and I fucking hate it. Like I said, I can't stand on the moral high ground because I have spent money on games. And my, my latest pity pants thing is like I said, with control, like I bought the game, I've got the physical game, the season pass, I've redeemed the PS plus version, but I didn't redeem the PS five upgrade because I didn't realize that was free at the time as well. I didn't realize it was a separate thing, but I'm not going to spend 32 99 or whatever it is for the ultimate edition because well, like Sean said, it's, it's my money now. It's not someone else's money to spend on games. It's mine. And I don't have a crazy amount of disposable income to throw away on something when I've got, when I've got the physical disc that I spent 40-odd quid looking at me on my shelf. So, yeah. yeah. No, I, yeah, I that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's just... I mean, we're old enough and cynical... We are old enough and cynical enough to see what it's doing, but some people aren't, and that is the worry. It does prey on, like Toby said, the low... Was it the low academic bracket type thing? And the people... Uh, that, young, young males with low educational attainment was exactly. the wording used. So, yeah, it needs to die, but it won't. It'll yeah. always be rooted in something. I mean, it's... It's, it's digital Twitch, IP. Yeah, it's Twitch channels that are dedicated to FIFA 21 Ultimate Team card openings oh, yeah exactly ultimate team yeah. was all over it yeah 
yeah, that's it's just the worst for it. And EA are in hot water with that at the moment anyway, because there was talk of good, good. an EA staff member paying or no being paid by players to get them the best players. Wow. Essentially. I think the re- yeah. the problem with that one is that you can trade you can trade players once you've got them out of the loot boxes. And the same thing with Steam online purchases, you can trade everything back and forth. Mm. And that was brought out a number of times. If you can trade it, it's got a monetary value afterwards. <laughs> yeah, but then the servers will die in 10 years. Well, yeah, no, but that doesn't stop you losing your money, does it? That's <laughs> it. You have nothing to show for it. No. Yeah. That's it. It's a, it's a very interesting conversation. I think it's one that we're going to probably come back to at some point once this rolls around again. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot to... Pardon the pun. There's a lot to unpack um, in <laughs> regards to this. Um, right, let's move on to another sad story. Uh, Sony is closing the PS3, PSP, and Vita digital stores. Um, I'm going to read from Eurogamer, writing on the PlayStation website and corroborating with an early report by thegamer.com. Sony confirmed it would be closing the PS3 store on 2nd of July and all that remaining PS... Sorry. And that all remaining PSP purchase functionality will cease at the same time. The Vita store will close on the 27th of August. Now, this got me thinking about a lot of games um, that are going to disappear forever once these stores close. Um, good old Chris Scullion at VGC has written up a great article about all the games that will actually go. I think he's got them all. He may not, may not have them all, but there's a fair amount on there, and a lot of them are pretty awesome. So I thought I'd ask the guys to recommend some games from the stores that you need to get before they close if if indeed you still have a ps3 vita or a psp and you still use them which i know a lot of people still do um i'm gonna go to uh let's see i'll go to greg first i'm not been to greg first yet uh what are you um what's like your top kind of like four or five that would absolute ah see this is it. When, when you put the topic up when you put the topic up and i was like oh okay and then i actually saw the list of um the 139 games that you'll never be able to save and i was like oh these are like the ps minis and that kind of stuff which i never bothered with mm. no um my my recommendation to anyone is if you've got any kind of nostalgia for any classic ps1 or ps2 games on that store or even ps3 that you haven't bought um although with ps3 games it's probably cheaper to get them actually disc based now but yeah there's there's a wealth of ps1 and ps2 games now, some PS2 games are emulated on PS4 as well, but they run fucking terribly. Resident Evil Code Veronica, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got it, if you've got an Xbox, just just download the 360 version of that instead. But if you've got a particular affinity, like myself and Toby, and most of us, I know Ross, you didn't have a PlayStation, but this isn't a slight on you. But there is a wealth of games on there that you will probably be hard pushed to find uh, physically for a fraction of the price that you'll see on the PSN store. Mm. Um, off the top of my head, like two classic RPGs that I go on about, I've mentioned them before when they, they made me so happy that they went on the store, the Suicoden 1 and 2, and the PS2 version of number 3 is on there, which never came out over here. That's on there to download. Um, all the classic Squaresoft games, like Front Mission 3 that I recently bought. Vagrant Story, Final Fantasy, oh God, there's like Anthology, which is six and Chrono Trigger, I believe. Actually, I'm not sure if that's on the UK store, but six is definitely on there. Seven, eight, nine. Uh, I know like a lot of them are coming to Game Pass in their remastered version, but if you haven't got that and you've, you've got 
the means to download it on an old PS3 or you still have a Vita or whatever or a PSP. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's more the preserving of the classics and it's just a pisser that Sony's going to throw it away because Sui Code and 2 and 1, by extension, the physical copies of them are insane. Like the, the, the price of them is like 90 quid upwards. Um, the first Grandia game, that's a fiver on the digital store, more or less. Mm. Uh, Tombi, which, as Toby knows, because he's got a copy of it, goes for like crazy money. Uh, Vib Ribbon. That's, that's buttons on the store. Metal Gear Solid, the first one, you know, there's so much on there to preserve. And that's just the PS1 games. I've got a copy of Tombi. If anyone wants it, give me an offer. <laughs> uh, I do. Send, send me an offer on Twitter. Uh, give you five for it. Mm, nope. Oh, offer, offer not accepted. Uh, okay. Um, the problem is, and this is where Sony also shoots themselves in the foot, there is no formatting on the PSN store to look at the library of PS1 games or PS2 games on there. You can't browse just PS1 games, which is fucking dumb. You have to like, I mean, I had to go to Wikipedia and look for a list of PS1 classics uh, that are on there and then go, oh, sweet. Yeah, I had, to, I had to manually search for that. You have to manually type in the game. And some didn't even show up. What, didn't, what did I put in the chat that didn't show up the other day? Um, clone, uh, Clonoa, the little dog-eared thing. Clonoa Daughter Phantomile. That doesn't come up on the search anymore. So they've just quietly bumped that one off. So I don't know if they're systematically going to get rid of them all at once or one by one, but yeah, if you anything you really want that you remember fondly, get on and do it now. Mm. Do you think um, the physical prices are going to go up once the store's close? Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't think they've gone yeah. down very much, to be honest, because people like me still want that mint edition. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sui Coden. I mean, that didn't even drop when they went to the PSN store in 2015, so... Because that 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 was a low run, uh, low print run game. So, right, interesting. Uh, Toby, have you got any recommendations? See, I'm looking at the um, the 138 games that are nowhere else at all, um, and there's not a huge amount on there that I'm all that bothered about. Um, I can see Dissidia on there, which was that Final Fantasy, like all the different characters in Final Fantasy, all in one place. Um, but that definitely had a physical edition, at least of part of that as well. So um, I think the 138 means that there's no physical either. Is that is that what I'm, am I getting the right way around on that? Um, in terms of other things, do we know that, or do we think that Sony will bring back like a PS1, PS2, PS3, PSP, all of that, like a store in future on PS5? Um, because they, I mean, they look like they might do that in future. I think it's quite unlikely. I don't think... Jim Ryan is making some weird moves with this. I don't think he's a fan. He, mm. he said something a little while back that was like, look at those games now. Why would you want to play them? And I think he said that kind of at Well, that was about Gran Turismo. Mm. Yeah, because they had all the consoles running every G, uh, Gran Turismo. And there was like the first two running alongside whatever one is on PS1 at Sport. And he was like, right. look, we, look how far we've come. Why would you want to play the old ones? Look at them now. Mm. They're terrible. Like, wow, really just kick your legacy <laughs> yeah. fans in the shins. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, I, I, I personally think they should have a, you know, just a PS5 compatible store that they do a proper job of actually holding all these things in, in future. But um, if that's not going to happen, then obviously, yes, you need to get hold of these things as, as soon as you can. I think for me, a lot of it is um, that there, there, were, there are particular RPGs that you just can't get anywhere else. A lot, a lot like what and Greg's just been saying. So on PSP, um, I've got physical editions of Crisis Core, which is now being, you know, part of the 
Final Fantasy VII Remake, Breath of Fire 3, um, Star Ocean 1 and 2. You know, th- these are, you know, absolute classic games that you can't really get anywhere mm. else. You can get one or two of them some sometimes on Steam, but um, you know, the actual Star Ocean series is, is going to get, is going to be down to like one available title, I think, um, if, if these all, stores all close. Um, on Vita, um, probably my favorite things on Vita came to other places already, such as Wipeout 2048 and Persona 4, very recently coming to Steam. Um, so, and, and that one I, I really actually need to still play. So, but the Wipeout collection that came to PS4 um, a few years back was fantastic. And the one I've missed on Vita, I think, and I've never played anywhere else is um, Uncharted Golden Abyss, which I think I should have got to, but never got to. Um, and then finally on PS3, um, you know, it depends on how readily available some of these things are going to be going forward. But, you know, there are there are classics on there. There are things that that I don't know if there's been a PS4 version. Um, the Dead Space games are now on Game Pass, but how do you get them on your PlayStation? The original Deus Ex Human Revolution. Um, the Like I said, the, the Star Ocean games, um, Lost, Last Hope, uh, Resonance of Fate by Triace. The original Nia game. Um, now that Nier Replicant is coming out, probably don't need to go back if you felt if you feel like that. But the original is not going to be available. Um, the Killzone games, you know, there's there's a few things on PS3, like Arkham Asylum. I mean, if it, as long as there's a way to play Arkham Asylum, you know, you, you wouldn't want to stop anyone being able to access Arkham Asylum ever again. You know, that's just criminal. So it's um, there are there are amazing classics from like you know seven or eight years worth of gaming there that that hopefully we'll all see. A, um, a new lease of life, a new lease of life, um, just in other retrospective collections and you know new stores and things like that. So, I, I personally, I'm, I'm less worried about it than than maybe some have been, um, because those little indie games, you know, many many of them I never played anyway. It, it should they shouldn't be lost. I totally agree they shouldn't be lost, but they weren't something that I'm sort of thinking, oh my god, that's my favorite game ever. Um, whereas yeah. A lot of my favorite things are available other places or I've already got physicals. Um, so, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Sean, do you want to round this one out with any um, recommendations from PlayStation Pass? PlayStation yeah, so Pass. I, I, I have a, a, a pretty... I'll just go through the, the list of things that I absolutely think that people should buy from the list of things that will completely disappear once the store goes. So... That's uh, TXK, so that's Tempest on Vita. Uh, Coconut Dodge Revitalized, which was one of Future Lab's first games. It's fucking brilliant. Uh, Star Drone Extreme and Super Star Del- uh, Delta, both brilliant. Gravity Crash and Motorstorm RC. Oh, and uh, Rain. So all of these games are going to disappear completely, and they're all really fucking good games. Like Motorstorm RC, genuinely one of the best like uh, Micro Machine style games there is. And if you didn't play it, you absolutely deserve to because it's fucking brilliant to get it on Vita or PS3 or whatever. I have a bit of a situation because I have a PS3, but one of my kids pulled the PS3 off of the shelf that it was on and the disk drive no longer works. So I have a list of games that I absolutely need to buy before the stores go off. And I've got some of these already, I think, but I just need to check. And this list is... Infamous 1 and 2, all the Killzone games, Metal Gear Solid 4, Dead Space, Battle, uh, Battlefield Bad Company 2, Beyond Good and Evil HD, uh, all the Motorstorm games, Puppeteer, Heavenly Sword, Tokyo Jungle, Nobby Nobby Boy, 
all the Sly Cooper games, all the Resistance games, Euphoria, Remember Me, Proteus, Papo and Yo, Space Marine, the 40k one, all of the Ratchet and Clank series, all the Jack and Daxter games, Death Bank, uh, Master Reboot, Batman Arkham Origins, and Mini Ninjas. They're the games that I absolutely need to buy before that store goes off. Or I have to buy a new PS3 with a working disk drive and then buy them physically, which I'm not, I'm not willing to do. I also have a list of things that I really ought to buy because they need to be preserved because I think these are like historically important things that people should own and people should play as like a warning moving forward to the past. So that is Jurassic Park, the game. So one of Telltale's first forays into episodic gaming. It's bad. It's not a good game, but also it's like Telltale. Like I, they, they basically pioneered an entire genre. Uh, Lair, Haze, because fucking hell, examples on how not to kill Halo. Um, Folklore, Duke Nukem Forever, The Punisher No Mercy, Naughty Bear, Aliens Colonial Marines, and Rogue Warrior. Now, I know that these things, a lot of these things... I mean, at least two of those games don't need to be preserved. No, but they do. That's the point, right? (laughs) This is the point, right? This is why we end up going around in fucking circles. In 20 years' time, we'll have a game that's exactly like Hades, and everyone will be talking about how it's the freshest fucking thing on the scene. But it's fucking Hades again. It's it's the same shit over and over again. This is why we need to preserve games. No, but this is no, this is no. I'm not saying that Hades isn't new, but I'm saying that rogue-like, roguelikes were, uh, you know, roguelikes are based on rogue. Rogue existed, yeah. And now, now we've got an entire genre. Yeah, she was a really terrible X-Men with a southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. Okay, fair enough. Um, but it's like if you don't preserve these things and you don't understand the mistakes that were made in the past, you're doomed to repeat them again, and we'll have the same shit in another fucking decade's time. You know, we'll have a game, a, a developer still trying to make a, another game for a decade that will turn into Duke Nukem Forever instead of just killing it and putting a bullet in its head like they should have done. It's you know these things need to be preserved, especially Punisher No Mercy because that game's fucking balls. <laughs> Punisher No Mercy. Which one was that? That was the first person shooter that basically had you running around in 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 uh... like an arena um, with Punisher skins and. It was fucking great. Also, Gotham City, City Imposters. That needs to oh, be yeah. preserved. But, I mean, I'm, I'm genuinely a bit tits about this now because I was really hoping that Sony would bring tits. I am a bit tits, a bit <laughs> vexed by it all. I really hoped that Sony were going to come up with some other way of being able to play these games because it doesn't feel like this is, this is the right decision. You know, I'm sure they're, making, they're losing money on keeping the stores open, but they need to keep the fucking stores open because it doesn't make any sense to take them down. There's people, the games are going to disappear entirely and people are not going to be able to play on machines. Like there are parts of this, in, of, of this world where the PS3 is the best hardware people can buy. You know, the PS4 is like, ooh, it just fucking costs $1,000 to buy. You know, Brazil is, is like, the PS3 is still played really heavily. And you can go on and play Assassin's Creed Brotherhood on the PS3 and still get a game online in about 30 seconds. Everyone's Brazilian. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that made me laugh, but it did. I just, I, I, it just feels like Sony are making a boo-boo and I'm getting a bit tits off with it. So, um, do you think I have you see them? Do you see them doing what Toby said and making a preservation store, or what? what is Jim really Ryan just going to kick them all in the teeth? I think, I think Jim will, Ryan will do that. 
um, I think Jim Ryan's okay just making the money that he's making. Mm. And it's irritating because it's like there's, he's leaving money on the table, really. I mean, if he was to rev, you know, do, do a, a PS5 version of Sly, Sly Cooper or Jack and Daxter, you know, it, it, you don't even need to HD it up, you know, just, just fucking sell them like, in, in a package for a couple of quid on PS5. People would people buy. It. I mean, I don't know how much work is involved in that. I genuinely don't know. You know, the ins and outs of being able to do that. But you're just leaving money on the table. Is and um is emulation the um maybe the the way through this? Because we find with snares and arcades and you know all these things that have gone in the past. And PS One and PS Two, to be honest, are, are included in this. Where you know, there are plenty of emulators on online. As long as there's a ROM for the game that you're talking about, yeah. then it exists. And someone, you know, there's probably many, many copies, you know, available on torrents, you know, and, and ROM sites across the world um, that, that do archive these things. I mean, I've got a, a MAME emulator that, that chronicles so many thousands of arcade games that weren't worth chronicling right for a start but it, they've done it anyway and I'll, and I'll commend them for that and it's great to be able to play those things for the 10 seconds that you actually go oh, you know no no this is shit but you know it, it doesn't matter the point is it should still be there and i totally agree with you there should be a you know there should be museums dedicated to preserving digital artifacts and there aren't yet really this is the trouble with buying a digital only console this is why i buy, buy, buy physical things because uh, i'm like well no one's going to be able to take my physical games um because you know you can take you can they can take your digital games they can take the store down yeah i mean at least we'll be able to buy download the things that we've already bought yeah you know? and when this first happened when this was first announced a lot of people like I can't believe they're taking away all the games. Like thousands of games are going to disappear. And it was like, well, not really. Because you can still buy them physically and you can still download the stuff you've already bought. So mm. I just, I, I really hoped that they would put together like an archive store. And that doesn't feel like it's happened, especially because most recently they've been, they've been doing lots of different um, trademarks and different patents for stuff that involves older games. There was one like just two months ago that was, on how to put PlayStation trophies in PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 games. And it was like, well, okay, what was the fucking point of doing that then? If you're never going to sell them? Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe there is a plan. Maybe they want to, maybe PS Now is the way they're, the way they're going to go with this. Yeah, there are PS3 games on PS Now, isn't there? Yeah, there's PS3 games, there's PS2 games, and there's PS1 games. The mm. problem is they're all streamed. You can't download them. Yeah, you can only download so, PS4 games, right? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Just just to go back to what I said a minute ago, talking about backing up with physical Silicon Two on Amazon of all places, four copies available from one hundred ninety nine. Fucking mad! Wow. And I really, 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 really regret selling my own copies now. It's not even a really good game, though, is it? Get fucked! <laughs> <laughs> I've never killed a man before, but you plenty of twitters anyway. <laughs> just the one. Yeah, just the one where they got their their thumbs in a twist. Rather, let's move on to the final topic, which is, of course, the indie corner, and we're going to focus on the upcoming Rest presentations. Um, it's pretty cool. There's a lot of very interesting indie stuff coming uh, via Rest. Obviously, EGX Rest is another thing that isn't happening this year, so it's going online, and there's going to be some interesting stuff. And I'm going to take it over to the king of the indies, 
Mr. Sean Davies, to talk us through it. I apologise, I've done quite a lot of talking today. And I'm going to try and keep this as quick as possible. But March is usually a very important month for indie game, game developers and publishers because of EGX Rest and various other um, events that happen that aren't happening this year. So rather than do the press at these events, they've put out these little trailers. So we've got, I'm going to talk about four different um, presentations. The first is called the Wired Direct, which is from Wired Interactive. Um, if you've got a chance, this, this is a 20 minute presentation. It is brilliant. Julia Hardy is the best host of a presentation. She brings this to life and the games are awesome. So they talk about a couple of games, just want to go through them. So the first Tin Hots, which is Elamine's X-esque game combined with like a DreamWorks visuals and a narrative about uh, people who make little toys. So the game is about little tin soldiers. Um, it's coming from a team of ex-Lionhead developers and it looks very, very cool. Definitely check that out. So even just go see the trailer if you can't see the whole presentation. Uh, the next game from their presentation was called Lumote, which is a puzzle platformer set underwater with neon glowing entities. And, and they, those entities interact with the Lumote and change color. Very cool looking game. Again, uh, pretty eye-catching. Uh, they also announced that they've launched a new DLC for the Falconeer, which um, I'm, I've been playing a little bit of and have been enjoying, um, called Aten, Aten's Folly. Uh, so this basically expands upon the pirate path of the game and gives it a reason for existing rather than just being an asshole. Um, and the, the, they've also announced that there's more DLC coming, which uh, fleshes out the edges of the uh, the Falconeer world. Uh, so the next announcement was called Arcade Paradise, and this is from the makers of Vostok. Now, we didn't really get to see much of this game, but the the interview and what we did see the trailer was, was brilliant. So this is basically a game in which a young um, manager and transforms the laundrette into an arcade in the 70s and 80s. It's a very fun trailer. It's very reminiscent of like the era. And um, I, I don't know if there's some kind of meta commentary in there about like transforming a laundrette into an arcade, both of which are now obsolete, but you know, I don't know. Um, and apparently there'll be 35 playable arcade machines that you can collect and install in your laundrette slash arcade. That was called Arcade, arcade Paradise. Uh, there was a bit on uh, Tiny Troops, Troopers Global Ops, uh, an expansion of what made the last one so fun. There's been millions upon millions upon millions of people who played the original, uh, and this will be launching on consoles and PCs this year. Uh, they also had a, a deep dive into Martha is Dead, which um, I highly advise. I don't think they split this out of the whole presentation, but just go and watch this interview if you can. Um, it is a brilliant deep dive into this game. So it's from the makers of. Um, the Town of Light, but it's a massive visual step up from what that was. It looks fantastic. It's basically a mystery, murder mystery set in uh, Tuscany at the end of World War II. And there is there is a, a girl called Martha who is dead. Uh, it looks very chilling, but also kind of, um, it, it's very summery. <laughs> like it's an odd setting for a horror game, but it also feels very odd. So uh, go and check that out. And finally, they announced that uh, Delivers the Moon, uh, a game that I gave an 8 out of 10 for when it came out on the PS4, is getting a PS5 and Xbox One series launch with uh, ray-traced audios and visuals, etc. And they, they did have a, a, another game called The Last Worker, but they didn't really announce anything to do with that. It was just a, a trailer, which is, I think that game's a bit further away. Um, but that, the art style looks akin to some like comic book um, 
Borderlands style artwork, which looks pretty cool. So the next presentation I wanted to talk about was called Iceberg Ahead, which was from Iceberg Interactive. It was a very, very quick fire presentation. I'm going to try and get to all this really quickly. So Blazing Sails was their first presentation. It's a pirate ship battle royale game. It's an LIXS and it has had three content drops already since it released last year. And there was more in the way. It's basically halfway between Fortnite and Sea of Thieves. And if you, that, that is your bag, you go and give it a look. That's called Blazing Sails. Uh, the next game is called Circle Empires Tactics. Uh, this is like the threequel for the series, the Circle's Empire. Um, the previous game, Circle Empire Rivals, is getting DLC. But this Circle Empire Tactics is a simulation game, uh, like a simulation strategy game. And I think it's all about simultaneous moves. The trailer didn't really give it away, but it looks really cool. Um, next one was called Ambition Minuet in Power. And this game looks fucking brilliant. It's part romance visual novel and part a game like Reigns, where you have to kind of manage your, your um, kingdom and hopefully avoid getting your head cut off in the guillotine. Uh, it's coming to PC in spring and Switch in the summer. Uh, they also announced that Canarium is out on Switch, which is a psychological horror. And the same developers have got their new game called Transient, which is a cyberpunk horror game coming to consoles later this year, but it's already out on PC. So that was Canarium and Transient. Uh, Star Dynasties was another game that they presented, which looks uh, like a, a brilliant strategy game, like a 4X strategy game. Uh, all about, it, basically, you can create your own Game of Thrones storyline um, in this game but it's all set in stars and different families and factions. Looks super sweet. Uh, again, another 4X game, Lord of Rigel um, from Rumba Studios. Uh, didn't see much of that, but it would be pretty cool. Um, Pax Nova, another 4X game. Iceberg really love 4X games. Um, it has a new DLC come out uh, called Frostborne. Um, they've released a new game called King of Retail, which is out now on Early Access. This is exactly what it sounds like it is. You open a store, you fill the store with stuff, you manage the store, you set out sales, you basically set up the stores so that you can maximize traffic and sales and stuff. You know, it's kind of one of those simulation games that has its niche and it looks pretty cool. Uh, Railway Corporation has new DLC. I know that this game has a really passionate fan base. It has absolutely no interest in me, but if, if you do, good for them. Uh, it's got new DLC coming. Uh, they announced, they, they showed off a game that they showed last year called Sacred Fire, which is a psychological RPG. It's uh, set in ancient Cambodia and you're fighting off Romans. It's like a choose your own adventure game, but with RPG skills beneath. So basically, you can make uh, decisions based on how your stats are and what previous decisions you've made, uh, which is coming to Steam in quarter three, 2021. And finally, <laughs> uh, from the guys that did Lift Off Drone Racing, uh, is Midnight Protocol, which is a tactical RPG game that visualizes hacking. Um, it looks like it's going to be a pretty cool. It's got a, a narrative behind it that basically you've been doxxed and you're trying to figure out why. And it's got a, a very uh, interesting keyboard input that basically uh, replicates MS-DOS. So you'll be having to do hacking, actual hacking uh, terms used in the game to visualize what you're doing. Very cool. Now, I'm going to run through this really quickly because I, I watched this, this spring update from East Asia Soft. And a lot of the games I just didn't want to talk about, but there was a couple that I thought were pretty cool. So... The first game was called Delicious Pretty Girls Mahjong Solitaire. That's a thing that's launching on April 8th. Um, if that's your bag, no judgment. Just Who's uh, not into that? I mean, it's got everything, hasn't it? 
delicious pretty girls mahjong's harder like you know <laughs> why not mahjong it's got waifus <laughs> that's like a confusing game actually <laughs> and solitaire but the pretty girls are distracting so you really really won't be able to play it it feels like a game that's just been hit to make as much search engine optimization as possible um i'm after a delicious pretty girl who also plays mahjong and has solitaire um anyway the next game they presented was called kingdom of arcadia which is about a, uh, an arcade game where a, the owner of the arcade game gets sucked in and they get get to play through this arcade game. It looks pretty cool. And that's coming to everything on April 21st. Um, the next game is called Crime Opera, The Butterfly Effect. And again, really interested in this. It's a visual novel. This sounds exactly like Romeo and Juliet, but instead of having like warring factions, they are basically crime families. And you play as like these two kids that are on opposite families trying to solve a murder. Looks really cool. Um, again, a game that I really don't want to talk about, but I guess it's in, it was in the presentation. So, Poker Pretty Girls Battle Fantasy Edition. So, it's a poker game with anime girls. Again, no judgment if that's your thing. Just, uh, just not for me. Oh, it's a poker game, not not Poker Pretty Girl. what <laughs> <laughs> it definitely sounded like the first time you said that. Sorry. Uh, and finally, Hentai versus Evil, which looks like a low budget of Senran Kagura. And I'm just desperate for somebody on the team to review this because it looks fucking insane. Um, it's basically we, a third-person shooter. We haven't had any Senra and Kagura games for a while, have we? They haven't released any for a while, which is good. It's <laughs> got to be between... It's got to be between... Oh, I'm pretty sure the rotation came back around to Paul and it's got to be Toby and Andy doing one. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if you don't understand, so the Senra and Kagura games, we all, we all did one. Some of us did two. Uh, they're basically type right of passage, series. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but this one looks like a Samurai Kagura game I think it's out on PC early access now but basically it's a third person shooter where you run around with anime waifus shooting evil things and it has now added the PS5 to as a launch platform including PS4 and Switch you know just in case you were really hankering for some anime waifu to third person shooting Finally, uh, last uh, presentation I want to talk about is called Hype Train Digital. Uh, so these guys have been they've been quietly building up really good um, portfolio, and they presented five games, all with very different looks. I pitched all five to the team because they were offering review keys, and we got bites on I think three or four. So obviously a good good batch. Uh, so the first game is called Black Book, which is a an, an artistic deck building RPG roguelike. And it's based on Slavic myths. So you play as a, a young sorceress who's trying to unlock a black book by breaking the seven seals. And by doing so, she'll have access to these forbidden magics, which will allow her to do something in the narrative that I don't want to spoil. Um, it's coming in Steam in 2021. The next game is called There Is No Light, which I think piqued Greg's in, in, interest. This was a brutal action adventure set in a grim underground world ruled by the mysterious Church of the Great Hand. It's got very cool pixel art style uh, artwork, um, but this does look like a game that will kick my ass and I'm interested in being beaten, but I think Greg might be. So we'll see. That's again coming in to Steam in 2021. Uh, the next game is called Tower Princess. Um, so it feels like forever since I've heard about this. It feels, I think it was about three years ago that I first heard about this game, but basically it's like a dating simulator, but it's not. <laughs> so it's a roguelike 3D platformer where you'll have to do your best to beat the dungeon, defeat the dragon, 
and manage the most perfect date with one of the princesses or princes that wait for you at the end. Um, so basically, you pick you pick a prince and or princess to save, and at the end of the dungeon, you go on a date with them if you can on like reach that far. But they will help you along the way. So each prince or princess has different abilities, which will help you defeat bosses and stuff. It's it's a cool idea, and it's coming out on Steam this year. Um, the next game is called Tunche, uh, a game. It's a beat 'em up uh, set in the rainforest. It's got some really refreshing artwork for a game of this genre, and it'll have full player co-op. And I believe that Andy will be producing a review for this at some point in 2021. And finally, from the presentations, Jack Move. So a JRPG, uh, but with a cyberpunk aesthetic. It has this awesome pixel art, like green um, CRT look about it. Um, and it has this really cool turn-based combat system. It looks very cool, and it looks very much up Toby's alley. So I think this com- this like compilation was a big hit. Um, you you liked the look of um, Jack Move, didn't you, Toby? I did. Yeah, that definitely looks cool. Um, it looks like it's got a little bit of a comedy RPG sort of Monkey Island feel. Um, at the same time as all the things you just described, really cool animated pixel art. Um, it was right on the edge of a whole bunch of um, the Steam festivals that we saw last year. Um, so I'd already seen it before. But yeah, definitely cool. Hopefully, we will get a review key. I think that I actually covered that on on Figure Guns like years ago, and mm. I just wrote one news article about it because I saw it and it was immediately like, "Wow, I know this from somewhere." Um, anyway, there were two other indie games I just wanted to mention before the indie corner. Uh, this isn't the corner. This is an indie room this week. I'm sorry. Um, so the first one is called Astro Aqua Kitty. Uh, so it's from Tiki Pod, who made uh, Rock Boshes, Iron Cryptical, and Aqua Kitty. So Astro Aqua Kitty is the sequel to um, Aqua Kitty. Oh my God, how can I, can I say this? Uh, it's a, a shmup. A quick quitty. I like the quitty bit. Astro Aqua Kitty. <laughs> anyway, it's a shmup uh, and it, it's expanding on the borders from the original, which was locked to a horizontal looping bar. Uh, this time it's, it's opened up. I was listening to the uh, soundtrack today which is from Electric Cafe, and it's friggin' awesome. It's up on Bandcamp right now. I just want to go and have a listen. I just want to buy the game just for the soundtrack at this point. Um, I think we're going to have another review out for the launch of the game. I absolutely adored the first one. I gave it a 9 out of 10, and then and that was on Thumb Culture. And then we, had, we, we reviewed it again when it moved to Switch, which Jan reviewed and gave it an 8 out of 10. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited for this one, uh, and I think Toby's going to have a review up soon but it's launching on uh, april 8th on nintendo switch it's also going to be launching on ps4 xbox one pc throughout the month finally last one before my voice gives out it's called brewmaster and this is from sold out and auroc digital it's an authentic home brewing simulator that invites players to brew their dream beer and master the art of home brewing so I am at the, the the age now that this feels like the most perfect game of all time when I just, just want to make beer <laughs> in my garage. And um, I loved everything about one of their previous, from Oracle Digital's previous games, um, Mega, Mega Aquarium, um, which came out on consoles last year. It's This is like a marriage made in heaven for me. Uh, and I know that there are people out there that are going to be just like me so this this game exists. There is a a beer brewing simulated game coming called Brewmaster, and it's coming to 
all of the consoles and the PC in 2022. And now I'm going to relax. Oh my God. Sorry, that was massive. Crikey. Well, that's a lot of indie things you need to catch up well, on. Well, I can hear is indies, 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 indies. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That <laughs> no, was awesome. That's uh, pretty much every single base covered. So uh, fantastic. Um, right, well, let's uh, focus on what's out this week. Mr. Tim, Anderson. Thankfully, not very much is out this week. Um, Splendid. The whole so... week is playing Outriders again. <laughs> really. um, so starting with uh, April 6th, um, Star Wars Republic Commando is being re-released, I think, on uh, PS4 and Switch. Uh, Lost Words Beyond the Page, which I think, um, Roscoe, you uh, reviewed. It's coming yes. to yeah, PS4, PC, and Xbox One. Uh, Breath Edge, which Greg reviewed a month back, um, is now coming to consoles when it was on PC before, so it's coming to Xbox One, PS4, and Switch. Um, and also on April 6th, Oddworld Soulstorm is coming to PS4, PS5, and PC, um, and will be uh, free on PS Plus if you're a subscriber. Um, we're looking forward to that one for sure. Then on April 8th, uh, Cozy Grove is coming to Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and uh, Steam. Um, all of the all of the things. Uh, that one, uh, Scarlet Hood and the Wicked Wood is coming to PC and uh, Mac. Uh, consoles to follow at some point later in the year. Before Your Eyes, which uh, Sean was talking about earlier, and the one where you move your move your eyes to move the screen and things, um, it's coming to PC on April 8th as well. Um, then on April 9th, uh, Say No More. I think you have to put the intonation right on that one. It's, rather than Say No More, it's Say No More. Uh, it's coming to Mac and PC and a few other places, um, some consoles as well. I think Switch um, on April 9th. And lastly, Trails of Cold Steel 4, um, which is an RPG coming to PC and Switch um, when it was previously on PS4 only, I think, um, earlier last year. And that's the end. It's really hey. uh, quite a small wow. week. Can I just add one more that's coming out? That's not. Oh, that's, it's it's not been publicised at all. But on the eighth, um, there is a game coming out called What the Dub, which we will have a review for, um, which is basically kind of like a Jackbox game, um, where you uh, watch movie clips and try to dub over the top of it, and it is very funny. Cool. Nice. That does sound like fun. And yeah, Lost Words Beyond the Page is um, fantastic, and my review is up on the site. Right now, over at fingerguns.net, one of those games that was on Stadia for a while and now is escaping to the world, and it's well worth a go. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all very much indeed for listening to this week's episode of the Finger Guns Podcast. Don't forget, if you do want to follow us, you can follow us absolutely everywhere. Follow the link tree in the description below to find us on all the places. If you really like what we do, hey, why not sign up to our Patreon? For $1 a month, you can keep this podcast alive on its various podcast hosting services and keep the website nice and shiny. But that's it. Don't forget to follow Greg on twitch.tv forward slash Bomb. Making ways on Twitch over there. He's very, very good at what he does, so make sure you check it out. No, shucks. Yeah, I'm nice, really. Honest. I didn't even pay you to say that. <laughs> I know. You never would. But until next time, it is goodbye from... Thumb killer himself, Mr. Greg Higgs. Bye. Goodbye from Toby Anderson. Sayonara. Goodbye from Mr. Sean Davies. Good And it's goodbye from me. I've been Roscoe. We'll see you next time. 
on the Finger Guns Podcast. Yeah.